You know, even if people disagree with you, let them have their say. Ask them permission to provide them uh, some examples of why this might be in their best interest, and then explain it to them within that framework. And uh, more often than not, you'll get kind of people turning their heads, looking at you like, oh, okay, I, uh, I can participate. And part of that is because you allowed them to vent their frustration or their views. Part of it is you asked permission to communicate your views. And part of it, and probably the biggest part, is you showed them why changing their behavior is actually in their own you know, self-interest. This is Groundbreakers, a show about social entrepreneurs and the innovation they lead. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Groundbreakers Podcast. I'm your host, Sebastian DeBurs, and the show today we have Ron Gonan, the co-founder of Closed Loop Partners. Welcome, Ron. And so our listeners are curious to hear what is the mission behind Closed Loop Partners? Closed Loop Partners' mission is to invest in building the circular economy. What we mean by the circular economy is we look for technologies and business models that can take packaging and products that ordinarily were destined for landfills and instead redirect them back into the recycling stream and eventually back into supply chains to be manufactured or reused into new products and packaging. Okay, so this is for a lot of listeners something new to think about, right? Uh, we're all familiar with recycling now. Recycling is just the beginning of a circular economy, right? Mm-hmm. How should we really imagine this circular economy as a whole? I mean, it sounds quite large economy, right? Mm-hmm. This is our entire system. Think of it from the perspective of three R's. Reduce, reuse, recycle. And the first thing you want to think about is, is there a way to reduce the amount of material that I'm using and is there a way to reuse something that I just finished using? And third is, if I can't do the first two, reduce or reuse, is there a way to recycle, as in reconstruct it back into something new? And so how does how does Closed Loop Partners as, a, as an organization, uh, as an investor kind of seek out which organizations are best fulfilling those three R's in our economy? Well, what's interesting about the circular economy is we view it as a phenomenal opportunity to actually generate significant profit as an investor. And the story behind that is today, we follow a linear path of manufacturing and consumption that was developed during the Industrial Revolution where we pay a lot of money to extract a resource. So in the case of plastic, we extract oil. We spend a lot of money processing that oil into plastic. And then after we consume that plastic product or or package, we then spend a lot of money throwing it into a landfill. And we think that there's a better, more efficient, more profitable economic model where you may extract once, but after you've extracted one time, you continually reuse that package or product. So that's one thing that we look for 
Are there companies that are helping businesses or municipalities save money by avoiding that landfill fee? We're also looking for business models and technologies that figure out a way to make products and packaging with less material. So the cost of that extraction is less. There's a big profit opportunity, and there's also an amazing opportunity for reducing, reusing, and recycling. Right? How can this both? How can this both be the case? Right? How can I? How can I make money off of recycling? I'll give you a, a few specific examples. Let's take Patagonia, the very popular retailer. A few years ago, Patagonia decided that it was no longer going to sell its clothing with any packaging. So when you buy something from Patagonia. It's just there on a hanger. It's there on a shelf. When you go to pay for it, you're expected to just walk out with it. If you would like a bag, they charge you for the bag. Now, you could say they did this for environmental reasons. They've reduced a lot of packaging, but there may also be a profit motive, which is they're still charging you the same amount for that shirt. They're just not including all that costly packaging that they used to include. So there's a perfect example of how a retailer was able to pursue that model of reduce, reuse, recycle, and actually profit from it. They reduced the amount of packaging. Their customer still demanded their product, and they were able to increase their margins. So, so waste is frankly expensive. Very, very expensive to first extract, and then even more expensive to pay. To stick whatever it was you extracted in a wholesome place. If you're going to spend money to extract something, you want to figure out ways to continually reuse whatever you extracted as many times as you possibly can before you go back and extract anything new. You know, it makes total sense to me, right? It's so expensive to waste, and why have we designed our economies around this this principle of, of, of waste and? One-time consumption, sticking it in a hole somewhere. Why have we? Why is this such a massive scale way that we organize our economy for so long? How has this happened? Well, the industrial revolution and modern economies got built behind this ethos of mass manufacturing, and then being able to market and sell all of that product and packaging that got manufactured. That's not necessarily a bad thing. That brought a lot of development to world economies and a lot of、uh, wealth generation to different communities. It's inspired advancements in health and living standards and other things. But while everyone was so focused on how do we manufacture as much as possible with all these new technologies and sell as much as we possibly can, people took their eye off of: Are we going to get to a scenario where we've Outstripped our ability to extract resources to meet the demand, or are we going to run into a situation where the cost of disposing of all of the stuff that we've manufactured actually becomes such a cost burden that it no longer makes sense to pursue that model? So, at a macro sense, while we were developing this mass manufacturing economy, unfortunately, people didn't keep their eye on what. Is going to happen when we can no longer extract, or what's the cost going to be to put all this stuff in in a hole? And so, what role does closed loop partners play in this? How does it fulfill its mission? 
We manage two investment funds and one center, which we call the Center for Circular Economy. And so the first fund we launched, which is called the Closed Loop Fund, that invests in building out large-scale recycling infrastructure, mostly in North America. So as an example, we provided the financing to the city of Memphis for them to buy all of their recycling carts. They're able to pay us back from the landfill diversion savings and commodity revenue that they generate from increasing recycling. We financed a company called Lakeshore that has the recycling contract for the city of Chicago. We financed Eureka Recycling that has the contract for the city of Minneapolis. We financed Aero Aggregates. It's an advanced uh, glass recycling facility in Philadelphia. And the most unique thing about the Closed Loop Fund is our investors are exclusively the world's largest consumer goods companies. And their interest in being investors in our fund is they want this material back into their supply chain because they've recognized that they can manufacture for less money and more stability if they can get access to all of these commodities. And so oftentimes when people ask me, do these companies really care about recycling and circular economy? It's an easy answer. It's yes, they've actually put their money where their interests are and are investors in our fund. Uh, our next fund is Closed Loop Ventures, which is an early stage venture fund that back some of the most innovative and catalytic early stage companies. So as an example, in the food waste space, we were the early investors in Home Biogas, which is a household size anaerobic digester. It goes into your backyard, you put all of your food waste into it, converts it into gas on site that you can use in your barbecue, hot water heater, your stove. We've backed Curb My Clutter, which is a text-based application that helps cities collect used electronics and apparel. We've done Amp Robotics. It's the first robotics and artificial intelligence company in the recycling industry. And then we have the Center for Circular Economy that's a convening center and uh, research and development center around the circular economy. So this is quite a diverse set of investments in the portfolio and initiatives, and it really seems like Closed Loop Partners is kind of a visionary in this field, but how did you end up in this field? Was this your plan all along, or or when when did you have that aha moment where you're like, circular economy, that will be my life's mission? I was very fortunate as a teenager. I grew up with a single mom in, in Philadelphia, and I uh, had to get a job when I was a young teenager, and by chance, I started working for... Uh, one of the first green architects in the United States. I was babysitting, cleaning up, doing housework, and he used to talk to me about green architecture, sustainability, and circularity. And so starting from the age of 14, I had one of the kind of the first uh, thinkers in the space in the United States talking to me about these concepts. It just, from day one, always made sense, number one. Number two is I admired his ethics and his ethos and his vision. And so I think it's just a young man uh, idolized his approach to life and wanted to emulate that in my own way. And that was really the seed for my interest in the space. And then business opportunity after business opportunity, I, I pursued and developed different ventures in the space. And so very young age already, age 14, huh? Yeah, age 14, I started working with Paul Macht was his name and very fortunate to get exposed to a lot of these topics and concepts. And sometimes people come to me and say, oh, how did you come up with this venture? You have this idea in this space and it's such a nascent space and where do you come up with these things? And I oftentimes tell them, I I've been thinking about this for 25 years. <laughs> it's just, you know, the timing is right, but there's a lot of work and a lot of thinking that's gone into a lot of these ventures and concepts. And also, I oftentimes feel like I'm standing on the shoulders of giants because there's a lot of people in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s and the early 2000s that 
were real leaders in this space and doing a lot of this before there was terminology behind it or a big impact investing movement behind it. And I learned a lot from from watching them. And so what about your own uh, reducing, reusing, and recycling behaviors? How should we imagine your house or your own <laughs> consumption? Well, not to uh, put you in the spotlight. No, it's absolutely curious. no. I, I'm I'm glad you asked me that question because I'm a big believer in people should live their values, and I think one of the challenging aspects of the climate change movement is I do think it is something that people often talk about as important to them and admonish things that they see going on in society, but don't necessarily live their life in a way that would actually have an impact. And oftentimes they're doing things that are that are negative. And so I, I'm a big believer in people doing as much as they can to, to live their values. And so if you uh, visit my apartment in New York City, you'll find that very little to no waste is generated in my home. So I'm very conscientious of the type of products and packaging that I buy, which is relatively easy because most of the products and packaging that you buy is recyclable. So paper, metal, glass, and plastic. And I make sure that all of it is recycled in my apartment. All of my food waste, I keep in a small metallic compost bin that I then take to the green market twice a week. That's only a few blocks from me, so very easy to do. And any used electronics or apparel I have, I also make sure it gets recycled in New York City's local recycling program. I find that all very easy to yeah. do. I have lots of guests that come stay with me yeah. from all over the world, friends and, and family. You know, sometimes I see the consternation of their face where I say, Welcome to my apartment on the Upper West Side. Enjoy New York City. There's one caveat. Here are the rules around right. you know, products and packaging. And at first, people are sort of like, wow. But you know, a few days into it, they both realize how easy it is and how good they feel about doing it the right way. Right. Easy to do. Interesting, yeah, because I'm, I'm trying to feel a little self-aware of my own uh, behaviors, and I'm sure some listeners are too. But you know, Ron tests, it's not that difficult. It's not that difficult. It's not that difficult at all. And I'm also a big believer in incrementality. And what I mean by that is that you don't need to go from not doing everything you should be doing to being an absolute believer or total champion. I'm a big believer in incrementality of start with one thing, do that, see how easy it is, see how it makes you feel and then go on to the next thing. And so if you're somebody who is not recycling today, start with recycling. If you're somebody who is recycling but not handling their food waste properly, you know, try that. If you're somebody who's doing both of those, but you know, maybe throw your electronics in the garbage sometime or too much of your used apparel in the garbage sometime, try that and just take it step by step and you'll find it to be very easy and very rewarding. So we're sitting here in New York City, right? This is a very finance heavy this is the you know capitalist center of the world right how have you found what to me sounds so many unlikely allies maybe i'm just biased but how have you found so many people to join movement you know that you've started with close new partners how have you found these people to become part of this mission it's just very interesting well it's interesting to hear you say that i appreciate you saying that because i still feel like we're very very small and have such a long way to go. So I appreciate hearing the question about have you gotten all these people to, to join you. And I would sum that up by stating that a lot of people are starting to see the pure economic value in circularity and a circular economy. And that's what's enabling all parts of the economy and the business community to say, tell me more. It's not political. It's not a cultural thing, it's starting to become 
is there a better way to manufacture this product that, yes, is more sustainable and more environmentally conscious, but is actually a more profitable way of doing it? And once that communication starts getting out, lots of people start to pop up their head and say, hey, tell me more about that. We explain kind of in big terms circular economy, but there's a little bit more to understand because why is it a circle, for example, oh, right? Sure. So let's visualize it. What we mean by the circular economy is if you think about how things are generally manufactured and used and then disposed of today is uh, a commodity is extracted. Let's use oil in the case of plastic since that's what plastic is made from. Then refined, manufactured into a product. When someone finishes using that product, it goes to a landfill. And then you start that process all over again. And that's a linear process. We think there's a better way of doing things, which is called the circular economy, which is you may extract one time, but after you extract that one time, you then continually reuse that commodity. And the best visual for that is a circle. You sell it. Once the consumer is done using it, they recycle it. The recyclers reuse that material to make a new product. That new product is now resold back to that consumer, and we have that process start again and again and again. And that is both great for the environment and a great way for businesses to actually significantly increase margins and for cities to save a lot of money. You've already shared a couple of ventures that have been mm -hmm. very exciting things. Any more like personal stories of individuals that caught on? So. A funny but very meaningful story that I like to tell about changing hearts and minds is when I was running New York City's recycling programs under Mayor Bloomberg, we were deploying the curbside organics program, which is a program where New York City residents get these brown bins for their food waste. And one of the first communities that we rolled out into was in Staten Island. And we did that for two reasons. One is Staten Island is mostly single-family homes, a lot of food waste, perfect for these bins. And the other part of it is it's the one kind of conservative Republican bastion of New York City. And we felt that if we could make it work in Staten Island, the entire city would be very welcoming and opening to it. And as we were rolling out these containers, I was helping the crew roll them out. I wanted to be out on the street and see how things went. But I was also the only guy in a suit. And so if people had complaints, they knew exactly who to go to. Uh, if they had compliments about you know, how the city operates, they also knew who to go to. But generally, when you're working for the city and you're out there in a suit, you're also getting like, how about this? How about that? And uh, this gentleman you know, ran out of his home, ran up to me and said, I'm tired of these Bloomberg, nanny state, you know, green climate change, Al Gore initiatives. We don't have the money for this. It literally sounded like he was verbatim telling me what he had heard on Fox News the night before. And I calmly listened to everything he had to say. And when he finished uh, talking, I asked him if I could just explain to him the two choices that he has. And he said, you know, sure. I said, choice one is you continue to throw your food waste in the garbage. This is a pilot program. You're not going to get any penalty. Continue to throw your food waste in the garbage. What will then happen is we will continue to take your tax dollars and pay to export that food waste to landfills in Pennsylvania, South Carolina, and Ohio. Option two, you accept this brown bin that we've provided you. You put your food waste into that brown bin. We will then collect it, avoid the using your tax dollars to pay to go to, for it to go to landfill. We will take it to a city-owned compost facility here in Staten Island where we'll employ people who live locally in Staten Island. We will turn it into a product called compost that the city will then sell for revenue. 
And he kind of looked at me and said, well, how come no one explained it to me that way? I'll absolutely participate. <laughs> really? Uh, and right in the moment, did he transformed his mind? Wow. And so oftentimes, you know, that, so that's an that's a important story that I always remind myself of where, you know, even if people disagree with you, let them have their say. Ask them permission to provide them uh, some examples of why this might be in their best interest and then explain it to them within that framework. And uh, more often than not, you'll get kind of people turning their heads, looking at you like, oh, okay, I, I can participate. And part of that is because you allowed them to vent their frustration or their views. Part of it is you asked permission to communicate your views. And part of it, and probably the biggest part, is you showed them why changing their behavior is actually in their own you know, self-interest. If you want to tell us your story or nominate a Groundbreaker, visit our website at www.groundbreakerspodcast.com and make sure to subscribe on whatever medium you're using to listen to this podcast. Our show this week was produced by Anna Batson, and thank you so much for listening. I'm Sebastian DeBurs, and this is Groundbreakers, the story of social entrepreneurship.